Hey, welcome to North Village Church. My name is Keith Tooley, and it's my honor and privilege to serve as a pastor here on staff. And it's an exciting morning. I mean, we've got a tub over here, and uh, we're all going to jump in it and have a hot tub party. No, we're going to have baptisms this morning. Three baptisms. It's going to be a great celebration, professions of faith. So that's coming up later on in the service. It's good to see everybody this morning. Thanks for showing up after Thanksgiving. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, had plenty to eat. And uh, for us, we had a red meat uh, Thanksgiving. Thanks to Dustin Rogers and put it on his pit barbecue uh, there. But I do hope that you had some time to just reflect. I mean, we do have a lot to be thankful for in this country. I mean, just a lot to be thankful for, but I also hope that you got to like get together with family or friends, relax, watch some football for those of you who like to do that, but uh, this is a great season. This is the beginning of a great season. Are you excited about this season yes. coming up? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Hey, this morning we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, we have some Bibles in the back. Uh, if you'd like to follow along, really encourage you to do that. We also have the devotionals. Uh, these are free to everyone, and we'll be on page 78. And the cool thing about these devotionals is you can write things down. There's plenty of lines to do that, so check that out. Also, we'll be passing around some tablets, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, for those who are, who are partners here, you just roll down and put your name in and just punch on your name for others. Just share as much information as you would like. Just love to have a way to connect with you. So we're entering a new sermon series on Advent for the Christmas season. This is a tradition for the, for the church. And Advent means it's when someone notable or a thing or event really notable arrives. So in this case, we're going to be talking about the coming or arrival of Jesus Christ. That's why we do this Advent season. I think it's really important because we're about to enter this super frenzied time. I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, you're going to be like trying to meet those work deadlines before Christmas. Uh, you've got the shopping to do. You've got the Christmas parties. Uh, so much is going on at this time. It's, it's really going to be kind of a, a real big effort and fight sometimes just to say, in this frenzied time, how are we, or how am I as an individual, or how are we as a family going to commemorate this joyous season? Because uh, this is one of the holiest times for the church, right? Uh, this is a really big time for the Christian faith. Now, Advent starts with the fourth Sunday before Christmas and leads up to the nativity or the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, which we all get to celebrate on Christmas Day. Now, for the next month, we're going to be focusing on the four Advent topics. And uh, today, we'll be tackling hope. Next week, will be faith, then joy, then peace. Doesn't that sound nice? Just, we'll, we'll just slide away into those really positive topics. Now, some of you may have a tradition of putting out an Advent wreath, or maybe you do the Advent candles. Some of you may be doing the Advent calendar where you count down the days to Christ's birth. That is really a cool thing to do. Uh, one thing that uh, Kay and I did during the pandemic 
is one of our daughters sent us uh, this big boxed house, and it had many windows. And every time you opened a window, you had a different candle to light, and it had a different scent and a different color. And so we just added some Advent devotionals, and each night we, just the two of us, just had that time to reflect on, uh, on Christ. And, uh, and during the pandemic, it also uh, was a, a way to help as well. So we're going to dive into this message on hope. And um, this was written by the prophet Isaiah around 742 B.C. for you historians. That's what he started prophesying to the uh, Israelites. And what he's prophesying today is going to take place about 800 years later, okay, with the arrival of Jesus Christ. I think that that prophecy alone is a miracle, not even like, like the virgin birth is a miracle, but a prophecy, you're going like, yeah, you know, around 800 years from now, someone's going to arrive on the scene. I, th- I think that's a miracle. So uh, as we dive into this message, uh, we're going to be going through three, three points. One is um, hope is coming, the birth of hope and how hope will reign. Those will be our topics. So hope is coming. Who doesn't need hope? I mean, we all need hope. What happens if you don't have anything to hope for is you start to suffer. And as we suffer, then we can get depressed. And we can find ourselves in a state of despair. And if you, leave, if you sit in a place of hopelessness for a long time and you have nothing left to hope for, uh, then it could even lead to death. So hope is extremely important. And that's where we're going to find the Israelites today in Isaiah 9. We're going to be in Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Hope is coming, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Let's start with verse 1. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali with contempt. But later on, he will make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So the people of Israel had experienced quite a bit of gloom and anguish about uh, the situation they're in. And there was more to come. I mean, Isaiah also prophesizes that there will be, the Assyrians will come down and they are going to take over the country. And they come through this, uh, there's this big uh, international highway at that time from Egypt to uh, Mesopotamia. And both of these lands um, were located right where the Assyrians were coming down to attack Israel. So, they, they were going to suffer the, probably the worst of the invasion, uh, those two of the, of the original tribes uh, that were there. On top of that, if you read chapter 8 before this, some of the people were listening to the false counselors. And the false counselors at that time, and there had been, been many different ones throughout the, the Old and New Testament, these were actually people who were seeking mediums. They were called spiritists. And so they were uh, trying to direct the people toward, oh, we need to talk to the dead. We need to connect with their spirit. And Isaiah warns them, why consult the dead on behalf of the dead? This is really, that's futile. So 
Don't do that. Uh, and so we see in this scripture, yeah, the people are going to be humbled on the front end. But guess what? This scripture also means it's going to be glorious. Because Jesus is coming and it's going to be glorious at some point. And Jesus is going to make it that way. So now I want to fast forward. Let's go fast forward almost 800 years. And what the prophet Isaiah prophesied, it comes true. This is the rest of that miracle. Uh, Matthew 4, I'll put it up on the screen here for you. Verses 12 through 16. When Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Natali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Natali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Prophecy played out. And you'll see this over and over and over in the Bible, um, especially as the Old, Old Testament references things that are to come in the New Testament. Let's go back to uh, Isaiah 9, verses 2 and 3. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. So now we see that Isaiah is saying, hey, there's going to be a shift from darkness to light. And what causes the light? Well, we read that the joy is going to result from the coming of the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is going to bring salvation to the people. If you look at the pronoun you in this scripture, or your, uh, which appears here three times, it's referring to Jesus Christ. Isaiah is saying that Jesus will multiply the nation. Jesus will increase their joy. And Jesus' presence alone will cause the people to rejoice. So God would bring a great light when he sends Jesus to a people that had really become hopeless. Why, did he, why does God do these things? Because he cares. God has always cared very much for the remnant. And you'll see this throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. The remnant are those people that say, I believe in God. I trust in God. I follow God. I have a relationship with God. That's really important to me. And so God is there, and he's, he's, he's sending. He loves his children so much, so he sends Jesus to the rescue. And look how the people are going to respond. It says joy, and then it says rejoice. Then it says joy. Then it says rejoice. This is when the Messiah arrives. This is what people are going to experience. Isn't that what we do as Christians? I mean, we may not do this every day, but as those of us who have the light of Christ in us, even when things are really hard, do you just kind of settle out that you can find some joy and gratitude? I mean, isn't, isn't that what we're about? That we can kind of settle out there even when things are just like 
really hard. I hope you're getting to experience some of that because God really wants us to. I just, when I think of Christmas, one of the things I love the most is when you drive down streets and you see all the lights. And I am especially drawn toward just the bright white lights. And I, I don't know what makes you happy at Christmas time, but just those kind of things make me happy, just those lights. This scripture is talking about something that's, this light, it transforms our hearts and our minds. Uh, that this light, it's, it, it's the lights I'm talking about that you see at Christmas time, this light diminishes that, those lights. Because this light is the light of Christ. It transforms hearts and minds. And this light gives those living in darkness a way to, to have peace and joy and hope. So this is a really important time. It's Christmas time. I know some of you have experienced this transformation. I mean, you just got to the point where you're going, I've, I've done life. I've led, I've led my life for, for so long, and I'm not doing such a good job anymore. It's, I'm, it's pretty dark. And you've said, you know, there's, there must be a better way. And you give Jesus a chance, and you experience the light that comes in. You experience that love, peace, and joy. And, and I hope you're living in that light. Let's continue with uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian, for every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled out in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. So this is talking about God is going to deliver the people from their enemies. And this is primarily talking about physically delivering them, but there's also going to be spiritual deliverance. God is going to take this yoke that the Assyrians just have on the people of Israel, and God is going to deliver them from that with over, overwhelming odds against the Israelites. And it says it'll be similar to what happened at Midian. Well, if you look at Numbers 31, you can read about how Israel defeats the five Midian kings. So God would give victory to Israel, but his people uh, would enter into the fruits of the victory of the Messiah. This is what this is talking about, a shift from the victory of a war uh, to the victory of the Messiah. And the reason that, that victory is really important because it conquers sin and death when Jesus is resurrected. Now for the second point, the birth of hope. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So to us, a child is born... Hope arrives, and this is why we celebrate Christmas. It's really interesting to me that a a baby is going to be the centerpiece of all this prophecy. Just a little little child that's going to change eternity for, for humans, for all humans. And Isaiah tells us that it's not only going to be a child, it's going to be God in the flesh. 
that he would not only be like God come to earth, he would be God born on earth. So he would be both human and divine, God. So people call him the God man. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. The child born points to Jesus as a human. Yeah, he's going to be a, he's going to grow up and be a man and, and, but the Son given points to the, his deity. This is a son given by God. And just a side note, when you think about, well, why would God do this? Let's go back to God's motivation again. If you go to John 3, 16, 17, many of you know this scripture. For God so loved the world, that you and me, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in Jesus will not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent Jesus, 17 says, God sent Jesus not to judge the world, but to save the world. I can, I tell you what, I can warm up to a God like that any day that would do that for me, that he loves me that much. And that, that's his motivation in all this. So what God does is his answer this time is not to send a larger army to wipe out whoever is in Israel He's going to use the influence of this child to be born. Uh, God's answer wasn't, okay, we're going to have a better philosophy of government or a better system of legislation, anything that we think of that man governs with. But he's sending a person. And this person has character and wisdom and power. And uh, this was going to be the kind of uh, character, wisdom, and power that would be needed for God among men. And this child to be born would have traits that would distinguish him beyond any other human being. I mean, all you need to simply do is read the teachings of Jesus. The people were astounded when he would speak. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I can't bring someone that's been dead back to life. If I saw someone do that, I would believe if you're not God, you're close to it. So we see this, and, and they got to see it firsthand, um, the disciples. And then the ultimate fulfillment of Emmanuel is announced in uh, actually in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The Virgin Mary will be with child and give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel. That which means God with us. And also from this uh, scripture, we see the different titles that Isaiah was going to give this baby to be born. Mighty, wonderful counselor is the first one to be given. When you think of counseling, you know, you think of someone that, you know, talking to a counselor who might be able to be helpful when Jesus counseled people, he transcended human wisdom. There was nothing anyone could teach Jesus. Uh, he already had tremendous wisdom, understanding, counsel, and strength. Uh, in fact, if you fast forward to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it's also about Jesus. Uh, then a root will spring from the stem of Jesse. Get that slide back up there. Then a, then a root will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus' counsel is going to be different. He doesn't come in with power and prestige. That's not what he's teaching. Jesus brings in a whole different deal. It's about humility. I mean, some of his, the, the things that Jesus advised, for example, is that strength lies in weakness. There's victory in surrender. That there's life in death. These, these were profound concepts. And the second title we see that Jesus is given is Mighty God, meaning that Jesus would, would possess all the power of God. And he would not only be the father of the nation in the sense that kings would rule over Israel, he would be that, of course, but he would be the eternal father, okay? That's the third title. Whose reign would last forever because he is God. So God the Son will provide a fatherly kind of reign throughout eternity. And then the last title given is Prince of Peace. His peace will result in peace. His coming will, will result in peace between God and man and man and man. Think about that. If everyone was experiencing this peace of Christ and it was indwelling them, and that's what you were dishing out to other people, this peace of Christ, wouldn't the world be a different place? Wouldn't it be a better place to, to live in? Um, the song that came, came to mind as I was thinking through this was, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Um, I, I, don't, I have no idea if that's a, a, spirit, a spiritual song or not, but... Wouldn't that be an awesome concept if we were all experiencing this peace of Christ and then living that out? It would be. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. It's not going to happen right here and now, but it's going to happen. The book of Micah also prophesizes about uh, Jesus. And this, Micah gives uh, Jesus, and this is an Old Testament prophecy, he says, shepherd, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they will remain because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. Jesus has always been great to the ends of the earth. There's no one that's been more talked about throughout human history than Jesus Christ. He has worldwide fame, but get this, he's also our very personal shepherd guiding each and every one of us, protecting us. So these are the things that we think about with Jesus, uh, that he's all these things. Mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Well, let's talk about how we might apply some of these things. Let's start with Wonderful Counselor. When you think about a counselor, you want the best wisdom and the best ideas and strategy that you can have for your life. That was Jesus. He is a wonderful counselor. Wouldn't you want to follow someone like that? Wouldn't you want to seek his advice? What about mighty God? He defeats his enemies easily. Uh, Satan was no match for him. 
He has incredible power. I can get behind power like that. He's our fortress. Remember when David was running for his life and he kept saying, God, you're my fortress. He's the everlasting father, so he loves us endlessly. He provides fatherly oversight and care. Uh, so we should enjoy him. Just enjoy our everlasting father. And finally, if we look to Jesus as a prince of peace, he reconciles us to himself while we are still his enemies. That's kind of a hard concept because I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus' enemy. I, I sin. I sin every day. But every time I sin, he's reconciling me to himself. And it's a pretty amazing thing because I tell you, in my sin, I can be left at a place of great shame and I can be left at a place of guilt. I can worry about things. And Jesus said, no, no, wait a minute, you're reconciled to me. You know, that's not who you are. I determine who you are because you believe in me and you trust in me. I see you differently. I see you as holy. I see you as righteous. I see you as pure. That is a beautiful thing. If you're living in shame and guilt, claim that. It's really, really important in our faith. So let's welcome Jesus' lordship over our lives. And last point is how hope will reign. And the final verse 7 tells us uh, how hope will Jesus will reign. There will be no need to the increase of his government or a peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So Jesus is the final king. He will be the final king. And most, most governments, they try to find increase through war, through taking over things, through power. This kingdom would grow through peace. That's how the kingdom of God grows. It's through peace. And Jesus would be that Davidic king that would come down through the line of David and serve, be the descendant who would accomplish for Israel what Israel or no other nation could accomplish for itself, and that's eternal life. And he would do it through two things, justice and righteousness, not using force and power. Let's face it, we've all seen how human-made government, uh, how destructive that can be worldwide. And uh, this is a new government. This is a government that Jesus will usher in on justice and righteousness. And this government is an eternal one. And it's going to rest on Jesus' shoulders. So this government's not going to be held in what we are, which is space and time. It's eternal. When closing, life is hard. And it's, it's sometimes really hard to find hope. And Jesus offers um, hope for eternity, but we see that clearly. But he also wants to, us to experience hope today. Maybe, maybe things have gotten just really hard and you're just trying to make it through this day. Well, Jesus is where hope is found. And maybe some, for some of you who have been living in darkness, there's light. And just encourage 
you to move into this light that's available because Jesus has come for us. He continues to come for us. And the, and the last verse here says that he comes with zeal. He comes with zeal. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. All the things that matter to God will be added unto you. And so we, we simply need to believe in Jesus and trust him with all aspects of our lives. And he takes care of the rest. It plays out. He takes care of the rest. And that's my hope and prayer that we can do that this uh, Christmas season. Let's pray. Well, Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for this prophecy of one who would arrive and change the world and save the world. Thank you, Lord, for doing it through a child and that he would be Emmanuel, God with us. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone that's uh, they're just in darkness and they're feeling hopeless, Lord, I pray that they would seek you. Um, Lord, if that's hard on their own, that they would seek out anyone sitting here or me or Michael and just say, hey, I'm in a dark place and I need hope. We want to pray for you. Lord, I do pray for those of us that have maybe been walking with you for some time that we can experience that light again, that that light will get brighter and you will just transcend our hearts and minds um, into just that place where we can enjoy you really enjoy you this Advent season. I pray it's in Jesus' name. Amen.